Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I am the founder, Ben Smith, and we are excited to bring to you the second part of an interview with Stephen Mays, leadership guru and author of The Power of Three, a great new framework and formula that provides insight into how to be a great leader for your team. Stephen was a graduate from the Naval Academy and spent most of his life in the military and government service. And so without further ado, I hope that you enjoy this conversation between Stephen Mays and Luke Poulos. You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Who is one of the best captains or leaders that you've experienced firsthand, Stephen, and and maybe just one or two stories of, of why they were such an effective leader? Well, when I was um, um, a young junior officer on the USS Los Angeles, it was the uh, first ship of the newest class of submarines that the Navy had put together and commissioned in 1976. We went to Pearl Harbor to be home ported there, and the squadron commander who was in charge of the group of submarines uh, on the base there was a was a gentleman by the name of Captain Frank Kelso, and uh, he was probably the most influential and best leader I came across in my Navy career. And the thing I I, I learned from the various things that happened later was that the thing that made him special was that he cared about everybody. I mean, he had high performance standards for everybody. He wasn't a softy by any stretch of the imagination, but he cared about everybody being able to do what was expected of them. And he showed that care in some uh, very uh, sincere and genuine ways. Uh, one, for example, when the ship was coming from the East Coast to Pearl Harbor, going through the Panama Canal, the dependents, the wives and the children had all been flown over to Hawaii before we got there. So they were all setting up houses and having to deal with all the paperwork and things that a military wife family have to do, which is not an easy job. Um, and they only had one driver assigned to the squadron to take people wherever they needed to go to the shop or to, to uh, get their furniture from the delivery or get the car from the, uh, when it came into the port. But every day, uh, uh, Captain Kelso would come out and he would go into the ready room and he would see who was waiting a ride. And at lunchtime, he would go in and say, all right, I'm going to go play tennis now for about an hour. Who needs a ride? And he would take whoever was in there, wherever they needed to go. And after he played tennis, he'd go back and get them and bring them back, whether or not the duty driver was around or not. And so he cared about the well-being of the people we couldn't see and we couldn't care for ourselves while we, while we were away. That was really important to, to all of us. He would show up every Friday afternoon uh, at happy hour on the base to sit with the junior officers and talk to them about what they were doing and how their qualifications were coming and, and what kind of challenges they were having. Um, the COs hardly ever showed up, but he did because he wanted to know how everybody was doing. And he would 
he would be, he would show genuine concern for them. Uh, one time in particular, he had been at sea with us on the Los Angeles for about four or five days. Um, and I walked into the officer's mess, uh, which is called the wardroom on a submarine. And I uh, made sure the movie projector got set up because after dinner, every night we would show a movie. And I was the movie officer, uh, among other things. And I grabbed a bowl of popcorn and I headed out of the, out of the, out of the wardroom. And just as I was shutting the door, uh, Captain Kelso turned to my squad, my commanding officer, and he said, how come I never see any of the junior officers playing cards or watching the movie after dinner? And the captain said, uh, well, I don't know. I guess they just didn't want to see the movie. And Captain Kelso slammed his fist down on the table. And he said, that's a total lost cro crock of BS. He said, they don't come in here because you're driving them too hard. The only time they have in a busy day on a submarine to have any camaraderie or to share any stories or to deal with anybody in a, other than a strictly professional way is after dinner. And if you're caught driving them that hard, you're not doing your job. And that really, the fact that he's noticed that and told my captain that he should notice that showed me that he really understood what was going on and why it was going on. And, you know, junior officer retention was a big deal in, 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 the, in the submarine force back in those days, as well as enlisted retention. And so he always cared about the people so that they, he believed that if they were cared for, they would do their job better. So I think he was my real, one of my real inspirations for the drive to spare out challenge um, in, the, in the book, because he wanted people to perform well, but he wanted them to have a good time and he wanted them to enjoy the, enjoy the ride because he loved it. And he had been a terrific uh, commanding officer when he was a submarine commander. Um, and Shortly after I got to Pearl Harbor, um, they called him back to Washington, promoted him to flag rank, and he eventually became the chief of naval operations. So he, uh, there were a lot of other people who recognized the great leadership this, this gentleman had. And then when this new squadron commander came in to replace him, the difference was like light and day. I could see a complete change in demeanor, a complete change in priority, a complete change in the way uh, the new uh, squadron commander dealt with everybody and it was dramatic. It was, it was overwhelmingly dramatic. And so that was one of the things that said to me, okay, I can see the difference between good leadership and poor leadership. And, and that's a good part of what uh, drove uh, a lot of things I put into the uh, book and into the uh, power three paradigm in the little drawing there. So, he was a, a terrific leader. Uh, I had the opportunity to have conversations with him later in life um, when things occurred. Uh, and he was always extremely supportive. I once had the opportunity to be supportive of him when he was in a, a, a bad situation, um, not of his making. But when you're the leader, it's your yeah, fault. Yeah. You get the blame whether or not you had anything to do with making it happen or not. Yeah. And I remember writing him a letter, and he came back and wrote, wrote back to me. Uh, just a very effusive uh, letter um, thanking me for what I had done for him and praising me for the things that I had done while I was in the Navy on the submarine. Uh, and I got that from my squadron commander that I never got from my commanding officer. And so Frank Kelso was a guy who I think was a tremendous leader and a wonderful human being. And uh, I, can, I can only hope 
be the kind of leader he is. Sounds like an amazing, amazing individual and an amazing leader. Um, two things that I, that I pulled away from, from that is, again, just another constant theme that we've had throughout the Captain's Coach podcast is just how the, the best leaders and the most effective captains have always been those that take care, not just, quote, unquote, on the field, but they take care of their teammates and their programs off the field. They have the concern for people as a whole individual and not just as players on the field. Um, and, and the second piece I took away from that was actually the, the difference that you noticed after you left and the next person that took over for him, um, just the stark difference in how obvious it was to you is pertinent to how important it is for coaches and program directors everywhere and even team captains to be able to perpetuate their success in leadership year after year and the importance of having coaches that can systematically develop their leaders because if you have one great captain one year and it's not because of anything you did or the program did or maybe it's just something you did that one year to develop that one individual or those two individuals, if you don't do that year in and year out or you don't have a system for that, then next year you may not be so lucky and not have the same caliber of leaders and the rest of your team's going to know it and the rest of your team's going to feel it and they're going to react even more negatively than if you didn't have those great captains the year before. So being able to systematically develop those, those individuals year after year from the time they enter your program, from the time they leave, um, it is something that I've just pulled from your story just now, just how important one impact that can have if, if it goes the opposite way. Um, going off of that, what, what would be some advice, uh, maybe one or two things that you would give fellow captains today or, or aspiring leaders uh, and on how to develop their leadership skills? Well, I think the, the, the thing you need to concentrate on is, um, is the process, the process of being better yourself and the process of helping others be better. Um, I think too often we, we, we concentrate on the outcome without respect to the process. That goes back to the old saying about the ends justifies the means. That as long as you're winning, it doesn't matter how badly you treat people or what you do, just win, baby. Um, and that's not it. Um, I'm reminded uh, of, of, of the quote from uh, John Wooden, who was one of the, the greatest winners and greatest achievers in, 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 as a coach uh, that, that applies uh, to. He said, the definition of success is the peace of mind that is the direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you did your best to become the best you're capable of coming. And, you know, that's what you need to do. The leadership thing is not about the outcome. It's about getting the opportunity for the outcome to develop. Uh, if you're on a team um, that has been uh, two and 20 for the last 10 years, you're not going to win the conference championship if you're the leader of that team the first yeah. year. But what you want to do is you want to do things that will make yourself and everybody else on the team better. Some people will tell you that uh, – uh, some coaches will tell you that some of their best coaching jobs were done with a team that was, you know, 15 and 15 not the team that was 20 and five because the team that was 20 and five was loaded with great players and they didn't have to do as much to win there. But leadership is about the process of helping everybody become the best they're capable of becoming. And uh, that's the thing I think you, you want to do. You want to say, you want to be able to say at the end of the day, how did I help myself get better and how did I help others be better? 
Um, and if you can do that, then you can be satisfied that you're doing a good job as a leader. Because if you're looking in the outcome-based uh, philosophy, you'll end up taking shortcuts. You'll end up maybe potentially doing unethical things. Um, the recent death last year of a uh, player at the University of Maryland doing the punishing uh, wind sprints and the helmets and the heat where they didn't take care of him. Um, there was an example of the outcome, which was win football games in the Big Ten, was more important than the health of this individual. You can't be that way. You want to be a success as a leader. You have to care about them, and you have to develop them, and you have to make the effort to make yourself and others around you better. Yeah, I really like the idea of, of respecting the process and, and not jumping right to the outcome and not being outcome-based because we can always make really good decisions that don't always lead to the greatest outcomes, and we can make some not-so-great decisions, and we still have great outcomes, and, and that's just a little bit of dumb luck that's involved there, some dumb unluck involved there. And actually, I'm, I'm going through a, a book by another legendary basketball coach from the area and just actually throughout all basketball coach. Morgan Wooten from, from DeMatha, um, he was, he had the same thing in his book about this culture of instant gratification and players and parents want it. And they just want these outcomes to, to, to come without any of the hard work and really robbing individuals of the ability to grow and to better themselves now. Um, and when they get to the real world, it's funny before we were talking again, um, first line from one of the books you recommended was, was life is hard. And you're not doing anybody favors uh, by by going for instant gratification. It's it's a process, and, and becoming a better leader is a process. So, you know, listening to the show, reading really leadership books uh, like Power of Three, all these things are just going to build on themselves little by little, and it will it, end up the process will end up with you being successful. And in, in John Wooden's definition of success, if if nothing less. Well, you know, speaking of Morgan Wooden. Uh, my wife was the, uh, when I met her, was the assistant athletic director at Bishop Byron High School. And so I got the opportunity to meet uh, Coach Wooten on many different occasions. Um, and uh, one of the first thing I did, the first gift I gave my wife when she was, when we were dating, was I got a copy of Coaching Winning Basketball, which was Morgan Wooten's book. And the most, in most important thing about that book, the side book was the jewels that were inside it, was the preface to the book. The intro to the book was written by John Wooden. And he said that Morgan Wooten was the best basketball coach, period. Yeah. A no finer coach at the high school, college, or professional level. Yeah. And so when you when you have that kind of thing, you know yeah. you, you know you know you've got somebody worth mining for everything you can get out of them because he was a uh, he was a terrific basketball coach. I had the opportunity uh, as a referee to referee some of his games and he had some legendary players come yep. through that program mm -hmm. while I was uh, uh, refereeing uh, Keith Bogans who was at the went on to uh, University of Kentucky played and played professional was a freshman uh, when I did a game of his and uh, he kept traveling every time he caught the ball before he would shoot the ball and I called traveling on him a couple times and coach Booten came up to me and said what's going on here I said coach He's catching the ball with one foot on the floor, then he's stepping, and then he's bringing his foot back over. He can't do that. He goes, "You're right." And so, you know, he was he was very he was very he was very very much to the point and very professional about everything he did. But when you were away from the floor, uh, when you're not in the heat of the game, uh, 
Morgan Wooten was the guy who always had the attitude that I I grew up with in the South, which was uh, whenever you would walk into a store or wherever you walked into a place of business, somebody would always would come up and say, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And that's that was Morgan Wooten's yep. attitude. How can I help you? Yep. And uh, if, if, if you want to be a leader, you need to you need to have that one tattooed on your chest. How can I help you? Because that's what it's about. That is great. Yeah, hopefully uh, Coach Wooten will be on the podcast in, in, a, in a couple of weeks here, setting that up with him. Um, but I, I don't want to take too much of your time, Stephen. So just, so just real quick uh, here as we come to the end, just a, a few more questions. Just uh, very briefly, what is your definition of leadership? Um, leadership is influencing others to do more than they thought they could do in a just cause. Um, I make a point in the book that, you know, Joseph Stalin and Chairman Mao and Pol Pot were not leaders. They were merchants of death and despair. Uh, but so I do make a caveat that to be a leader, you have to be doing something just and positive. Uh, but it's influencing people to do more than they thought they could do together to achieve a, a goal bigger than themselves. Yeah, it really reflects uh, tenant number two from the captain's coach that that uh, leadership is influenced and, and that just cause that you mentioned at the end of your definition uh, is really where we make the distinction between influence and manipulation. Um, influence being something for the greater good as a whole, a common out, a common goal, manipulation being um, what those individuals did in history and in evil acts that, that led to destruction and, and death for millions um, so just, we see it time and again, influence, um, popping up here, the inspiration, inspire in the, in the achievement, uh, paradigm of the power of three. So based on that definition, what do you think, uh, maybe two of the biggest responsibilities of a team captain are? Well, I think, you know, uh, be honest, uh, with yourself, with your coaches, with your teammates, so that you're operating from a a common point is really crucial. I think trying to drive despair out of yourself and out of other people, uh, when you see it, look for it, find ways to, 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 to benefit them. And the, really the big thing is having an attitude that you're going to help other people be successful. Um, it's not all about you. Um, we, we, had a, we had a saying at the Naval Academy called INAM, I-N-A-M, it's not about me. Uh, you've got you've to adopt that and, and, and help other people. Great advice for, for any captains and some team leaders out there. And uh, last question before we go, I know we already got your, your favorite quote from, from John Wooden and his definition of success, but uh, the last question of the day, what is your favorite book on leadership or coaching? Well, I think, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I, I'm not the brightest thing. And uh, I, I think you don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time. I think some of the most potent uh, lessons on leadership uh, come from two of my favorite books. One of them is Aesop's Fables, and the other one is uh, Bill Bennett's The Book of Virtues, because these are stories that have been around for a long time, long before there were universities and people studying leaderships and people getting degrees in leadership. There were leaders. Um, 
And these stories from Aesop's Fables and Book of Virtues give you examples and, and morals of uh, how to be uh, a courageous leader and an ethical leader. And I, those are the things that I look at. I don't think you need a 300-page tome to tell you what to do. I think you need to look at simple, straightforward um, concepts that everybody can see. Uh, Aesop's Fables, you can go look at The Boy That Cried Wolf. You can look at uh, Chicken Little. You can look at The Ant and the Grasshopper. You can look at uh, The Emperor's New Clothes. All those are great stories that demonstrate uh, the kinds of uh, character you need to have in order to be a good leader. Yeah, those are great. I know we, we talked about that a little bit before we started, and uh, I know for sure I'm, I'm going to download those either on Kindle or, or find them on Amazon. Um, it definitely definitely worth looking back um, and re, rereading those from the perspective of leadership and, and those character traits. Um, but again, thank you, Stephen, so much for inviting me to your home and, and giving me the opportunity to interview you. I don't want to take up any more of your time this evening, but uh, it was great having you on the show, and uh, maybe we can do this again in the future sometime. Uh, thank you for having me, and um, um, if anybody wants to talk about leadership, I'm always available. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Stephen Mays. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.